Hey everyone, welcome back to Cosmic Crit. This is your GM, Patrick, here, introducing another week's episode. But this is just not another episode. Oh no, because this is a special week of episode releases. You heard me, plural episode releases. Because this week we are releasing the first two Drift Rider special episodes into the normal podcast feed. Now these are the Patreon episodes that you've probably already heard if you are a Patreon subscriber at the Pronkin Patreon in above level. But thanks to meeting our goals on the Patreon campaign, you know, we've been playing these homebrewed adventures with the crew of the Drift Rider. That's Knack, Andis 147, Alindra, Raimi, and Adros. And we, we've brought them back together again before the last scene of season one, where we have some side quests, uh, some additional adventures with those characters. And this is the first of those episodes. In this first one, we see the teams brought back together for a repeat of a dangerous mission that they are well suited to handle. Once more, I would love to thank all of our patrons that have donated at that $5, you know, $2, any level uh, to help produce our podcast here. We've spent your cash upgrading our audio equipment, including our online systems, and hopefully you've heard the quality change uh, over this last year. Now, if you want to become a patron, there's a link in the description of this episode. And if you want to listen to more episodes with the Drift Rider crew, then all you need to do is jump in at the pronking patron level. You'll be helping to support the show, keep us making new great content for all listeners, as these episodes are, are timed out for everyone to enjoy eventually, but patrons get them first. So... A quick announcement after today's episode, we're going to have another one drop this week that continues the same adventure, and then let me talk to you about next week, because we technically have two episodes coming out next week as well. That's right, and next Monday, January 13th, is the start of Season 3 of Cosmic Crit. Attack of the Swarm, Book 1, Fate of the Fifth, written by yours truly. This episode zero is an introduction to all the characters, the setting. If you're a patron of the show, you've already seen the artwork on the the site, but this first episode we get to hear who's playing who and what this AP is going to be all about. And in addition to that, we have a special episode next week that is our out-of-the-game discussion of the player characters. So join me, Drew, Rebecca, Tyler, Jabert, and Miles. We're going to be there to talk not only about their classes, but their, their, their the alien species that they're playing and some of the character design decisions that the players made. But that's next week. We took the holidays off from recording. We spent them with our families and our friends, and we hope you had the uh, a good time too. But we are back to playing and back to releasing new episodes of the show every week in 2020 for season three, uh, starting next week. This week, though, uh, we're playing what I call season 1.5 with the Drift Rider crew. So here it is, Drift Rider special episode number one, entitled Apocalypse, Apocalypse Nor. Hard Scrabbler hardcases, devour dinguses, and corpse fleet fools, and welcome back, one and all, dead sunners, starfinders, and crittermanders, to another exasperatingly exciting episode of Cosmic Crit. This is your pronking Patreon, Fancy Marmalaw, Dragon Master of Disaster, your GM Patrick here, and I am beyond excited to get back into this game, to get back into these characters, to push them to the absolute limits of where we can go with storytelling and adventure. But I can't do it alone, folks. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a fleet of fans to help pay for a Patreon. And likewise, it takes my five friends and your players to bring the crew of the Drift Rider alive. To my left, help me welcome back an Ahsoki who's here to kick out all the debuffs and drink black milk. And he's all out of black milk. It's Drew playing Knackfeld Spar. Get him! To his left, 
one foot in the renewal chamber, but don't count them out yet. They got a mission to accomplish. It's Jabert playing Andis 147. Track him, knack him, and double attack him. Across the digital table, he is full of vim and vigor and techno magic juices running loose. It's Miles Rockin and Academy Award winning Rami Malik. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> to his left. We have the daughter of Castravel, servant of the stars, and channeler of Solarian doof-kicking power. Welcome back, Rebecca, playing Alindra Vallis. It's supernova time. And finally, to my right, I have one last chance to dissolve this mountain of vest scales in a pit of acid. It's the pirate prince himself. Why, it's none other than Tyler, playing Edros Veronis. Kippity kippity ala, woody woody wappy, I'm back at the end, baby! Oh boy. What? <laughs> Tyler! Every, everybody had such cool things to say. And I was yeah, like, things oh, are Tyler. back to normal. Tyler's gotta have something cool here at the end. Oh no, man. I love being uh, back you don't here. Know Tyler. <laughs> season two season two has been a strain because I'm the first guy. And so I gotta be yes. like, hi Patrick, it's really nice to see you. Get get him oh. out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back. How are you doing? Pretty good. Breathing. It feels weird, right? Uh, uh, this happened because we have an amazing group of Creator fans out there that demanded this through supporting us on Patreon. And if you're listening to this when it drops, thank you so much for supporting us in, in doing fun stuff like this episode and if we keep making our Patreon goals and we're going to keep doing episodes like this and I have more fun stuff planned out for the future in these mm. in these episodes but it is crazy how fast we've blasted through our, our first couple of goals um, so thank you again listeners for making this episode yeah. a reality yes. <laughs> you made our dreams come true <laughs> but yeah no, it, it feels weird like like I said, we're we're recording this while we are knee deep into season two of the podcast, and you all are back to playing these rinky dink level one characters again. I had forgotten how horrifically powerful your level twelve characters uh, had gotten, them. but uh, uh, yeah, like I said. In completing Dead Suns, you all leveled up again. I was going to say, level 12, you say. <laughs> the Drifredger <laughs> crew, you guys are all level 13. Two shreds, you say. Level to 13. Uh, yeah, so let's start this episode out and, and talk about these characters a bit. Uh, this adventure is taking place after you guys get back from destroying the Stellar Degenerator, but before Andis 147's renewal ceremony months later. So your heroes have been trained and, and re-equipping gear and, and getting some time to rest, um, and you've grown more powerful. Let's let's talk about leveling up to level 13. Uh, does anybody, anybody want to start talking about something cool your character gets at level 13? Okay, okay. Yeah, so Andis gets... A thing called hyperclocking, and this is actually something I got at level twelve. Uh -huh. uh, but I've sort of uh, gone back and we're, we're going back and sort of erasing that whole uh, biohacker thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're full thirteenth level mechanic now. Yeah, I'm going full mechanic now. Hyperclocking is um, basically plus one to AC and um, some benefits to reflex saves, which is fun. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, should I go ahead and talk about the other changes that I'm making? Yeah, talk about whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try to be quick about it. Um, so I'm also sort of going back and rethinking my decision to pick up Deadly Aim. Um, and I've decided to switch that up for versatile specialization. I'd like to sort of begin to do some other stuff into melee. And um, I've got another... Uh, I've got another uh, uh, feat that I'm that I'm working with here that I'd sort of like to play close to the vest, but um, so this is like Andis 3.0, right? <laughs> right. It's like the third iteration, right? Exactly. I'll uh, I'll just tell the listeners that I'm working on something that I call Project Icarium, and so. Uh, uh, but it, but for my uh, exocortex mods, I'm swapping those out as well. Previously, I'd been going like double resistance. Um, now I'm going to go uh, advanced melee proficiency and echolocators. So you can't hide from me anymore, Patrick. <laughs> okay, well, I'll still try. <laughs> but let's go Tyler next. 
Tyler, what what about an Adros at level 13? I am not nearly as cool as Jabert. I do not have <laughs> as many cool changes happening. Uh, Adros just wants to hit things harder, as is his goal. So... Um, what is cool is that I do pick up my secondary, the second ability of my secondary fighting style, which was Bombard, and it's not too flashy, but it's effective, and all it allows me to do is add my strength modifier to damage rolls with uh, heavy weapons. So we picked up some LFD screamers and uh, Adros decided to hold, you know, play around with one of those and learned how to, you know, hold his weight in such a way where he could deliver a more deadly blow with it. And I'm looking forward to using some heavy weapons, which Adros really hasn't done too much of. Uh, And uh, he also came back around on that Spear of Fates. So he's got that back too. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't throw that away. I I thought that was, I thought that was awful. (laughs) Yeah, that was a, that was a that was a character trait. You just kept throwing it in the ground. Yeah. Well, well, he, well now I've got to go find another. Would... Now I've got to go find yeah. another advanced melee weapon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we can talk about the spear of fates. Is fate? Because <laughs> um, Adras has plenty of weapons, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, that that's about it. Uh, cool. What uh, what about Drew? What about our favorite? Envoy. Yeah. So uh, all of Nax upgrades this this time around are based around the good old fashioned expertise die, the die that I get to roll to add some some extra numbers to my numbers. In uh, the expertise die has previously been a D6, but now at level 13, it is a D8. And that gets oh, a plus a plus two to that as well. So I get an automatic at least plus three to any roll that I do for certain things. I also get a new expertise to go along with that. And uh, since he's run out of stuff to, to add, uh, <laughs> he's going to be a computer boy. He's got uh, expertise in computers now. So he can be aiding in those Uh-oh. checks again. Look out, team science. I'm, I'm mostly thinking about it for a uh, science officer in Starship Combat, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Nack was already a part of the Hackerman team, so I mean, you know. Yeah, no, the, the super hackers are now all aligning, <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> uh, what about the, the rest of the, the hacker team? Miles, uh, what about our, our Technomancer friend? So, um... Not the most exciting level for the Technomancer, except for one one, one teensy tiny thing. Uh, I get level five spells, <laughs> including uh, a spell that that did much much consternation for our group. Wall of Force. Oh, you picking up Wall of Force? Oh, oh, you best believe I'm picking up Wall of Force. <laughs> See how you like it, Patrick. Oh, no. See how you like it. Um, I, I, I'm super excited about that. It'll probably come up in the dumbest way possible, knowing me. Uh, I also picked up a Resistant Aegis, or Ooh, Igus. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is cool because this allows me to cast a spell, I think, on, on everybody. Mm-hmm. And... All of the wares gain uh, five energy resistance of any energy type. Yeah, it's up to ten different people. So we get the crew here is uh, all set. Yeah. So like, if, if there's if there's someone facing us that's you know doing extra you know burn or cold or whatever, I can cast that and everyone gets a plus five to their energy resistance against it. Cool. Thanks. Cool. It's one of the few support spells that I've mm. taken. I didn't do any offensive spells this time because yeah. these seemed pretty helpful, and I I, I kind of wanted to pay you back for Wall of Force. Well, well, we'll see how ineffective yours are. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll have some cockamamie thing that makes it useless. But <laughs> I'm taking it anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. What about last but not least, uh, worst class in Starfinder, Solarian, Alindra uh, <laughs> Vallis, Rebecca. I know. I it's the worst, but I gotta play it. <sighs> Patreon s- subscribers are making me. I, <laughs> this is useless. I'm really class. excited. <laughs> um, <sighs> all right, so uh, yeah, at level thirteen, I get Solarian's onslaught, which means that on a full attack, I can take three attacks instead of two. Um, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> and due to flashing strikes, it's only a negative five to each of those attacks instead of the standard negative six. So uh, that's very exciting. So and then I pick soldier. What? I'll say, why did I pick soldier? Yeah, it's like <laughs> Solarian gets all the same like blitz soldier stuff just a few levels later and maybe a little bit better. So you mm -hmm. know, I, I feel like I'm always following in Adras's footsteps. Like I'm learning stuff from him all the time and then like improving upon it somehow. Um, so uh, additionally, I picked up mobility for a feat. And I swapped out one of the feats that I uh, had previously chosen at a, at a previous level. Um, I had close combat, but decided to pick up coordinated shot instead. So now both oh. Adras and I have coordinated, coordinated shot, uh, which should help our, our um, ranged attackers a little bit. Uh, yeah. So that was that was a change I made, um, partly because close combat honestly just never came up. It never really benefited me. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but mm. just the opportunity to actually make use of it never really um, presented itself, I guess. And I think it's partly uh, due to the way that you choose targets, uh, you being Patrick, uh, in that like it's it's always random it's not like you target the melee fighters specifically or anything like that so it just didn't always work out um in my favor to to be beneficial so anyway hopefully coordinated shot will be will be more helpful gotcha gotcha awesome all right well we are dealing with five nearly godlike characters to uh to play around with you you almost feel pretty near indestructible am i right no. no, I'm so not scared. Like not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you well, when you open that up, I'm just like, no, no, I'm I'm just an insect. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm sure uh, you all are thinking it, and the people at home are probably thinking it too. Uh, everyone listening to this, thinking it's like, wait, well, what what are the stakes here, uh, Patrick? How how is Jabert playing Andis one four seven when? we see them and other uh, characters in the future at uh, episode 73 so long and thanks for all the crits in the future uh well this episode and that one takes place later in uh, 318 ar absalom reckoning months after you all the drift rider crew got back from the 13th gateway and yeah in that time um a number of amazing adventures took place before Andis's renewal ceremony, this being one of them. The crew of the Drift Rider, uh, you will all get to see grow and tie up some loose ends in, uh, you know, as we explore the galaxy some more with them. Uh, I'm calling this season 1.5 of the podcast, these continued adventures. <laughs> and you all are probably the five of you just chuckling to yourselves, snickering, stupid Patrick. There is no threat if we know our characters can't die. <laughs> You're so dumb. A bunch of dumb dummies. Uh, yeah. We, we yeah. specifically yeah. said we yes. didn't think that. <laughs> yes. we're, we're dumb for not posing the question or believing in it at all. It, <laughs> it, it, so it turns out you, it was Raimi's ghost that was at the ceremony. You all can die probably will die i'm not gonna lie uh because you all are as the drift rider crew too valuable to let die which means that if you uh do uh if one of the five of you do fall in battle during one of these special episodes um they they can't let you um go out like that they're gonna the starfinder society will need you to pay for a regeneration table to bring back the, the crew member, uh, and this is a very costly, uh, high technological, magical device that is used to return someone from the dead to the living. And it costs, are, yeah, I was going to say, a very they, small amount. Well, <laughs> very small amount they? of credits, Stripper. Okay. But are they? Are they? Yes, it's 45,000 credits. <laughs> I mean, okay, guys, guys, I know that sounds like that it's one option but i've i've seen a uh, a ceremony that takes place in this temple all you have to do <laughs> all the gods are dead none of them none of them none of them are answering their phone I, right now i uh, i also address also has this thing so where and raise like new you phone know. who dis <laughs> Uh, Adros also has this fun little ability where he can just bring people back to life. So, um, so no, that, that basically work kill a, all the kill time. A, kill Adros first. Kill Adros. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work if Adros is dead. Yeah. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, no. Like, Thanks for the note. Sorry. If one of you does die, or multiple people do die, you will have to pay for it. And I know you're saying to yourself, well, that's crazy expensive. Well, that is why you haven't gotten any of your credit payments uh, for saving the universe yet. Uh, okay. Those funds are going to be doled out to your characters if you succeed at our special Patreon missions. Otherwise, you all will have to pay the Reaper to return oh. all comrades to life. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, uh, since this is a team effort, if one of you dies, then everyone's treasure gets reduced. <gasps> as it'll be evenly deducted from all of your pocketbooks. Um, so a, a death will, you know, stunt your guys's payoffs and, and what kind of things you can buy going forward in the future and make your monster characters more powerful. Uh, <laughs> and if the party wipes, if it is a TPK at any point, not only will you get no credits, but you also are going to lose some gear and lose some of the stuff that your, your characters have already, <laughs> uh, picked up at oh, this point. Oh no, I don't like that. So definitely don't want that to happen so uh yeah to run away gang so does everyone <laughs> can afford to be brought back to life everyone understand the stakes before we get into our first adventure yep yeah let's yeah. do it all um, right all right this is a, a season 1.5 kicking off This episode starts in the deep, dark void of space. We are flying into a star system, one you all know well, where we spent two books of this prior campaign, The Gateway of the Twelve Suns. Weeks after your departure from this system, it has gone silent. The only living things on the planetoid controlling the main star, we see Zodi's kin, large jub snuff still roaming about, unaware of the stellar catastrophe that took place here. But suddenly, in the heavens above, there's a massive arc of purple electricity and plasma, millions of feet tall, that surges from one of the stars towards the center of the system, followed hours later by another massive display of energy from another star. The unmanned control centers have thousands of robots that are going haywire, trying to send out cosmic strings to quell these huge, gargantuan starquakes. Eventually, all the energy roils into what looks like a massive green cloud, a miasma of space dust and crackling energy that seems to come alive. It begins to move and eventually picks a direction, a singular point in space, and begins to swirl around its focus, forming an accretion disk hundreds of miles wide. It is not a black hole that is forming here, though, but rather something more ancient and magically potent. If you were to look into the heart of that space storm, you would see the face of all evil, a cold that now no sun could shake off, a darkness no eyes could penetrate, and it is from that darkness something begins to emerge. Beyond this void, uh, you could hear its primal cries psychically calling out across the cosmos. It has teeth. It has claws. It has wings made of nothingness. Looking upon it, its minds will break you, and speaking its names sends shivers down the spines of all those who know its nature, for it's in that darkness. What emerged there was indeed death incarnate. It moves forward with a single purpose, zooming from the gateway of the Twelve and thinking one thought, one mission it had to complete. In its mind, it repeated over and over to itself. Death to the Drift Riders. Death to the Star Finders. Death to the Drift Riders. Death to the Star Finders. Andis, you snap out of a shutdown period, resting your mind and letting your exocortex cool down. A bad dream caused perhaps by some crossed wires. You dreamt of some kind of monster emerging from the gateway of the 12, and you're able to shake it off, though. Yeah, just weird kish food, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at, we, we start here seeing you taking some R&R, &R, 
having saved the galaxy from devastation in the form of battling the corpse fleet, the cult of the devourer. It finds you on Absalom Station, maybe resting, maybe taking in the sights, as well as uh, some of the rest of you. Let, let's go down the line here and talk about your guys' characters. What have you been all up to? Uh, Rebecca, where do you think we would find a linger these days? Do I have to be on Absalom Station? Can I be anywhere? Uh, well, you can have gone uh, anywhere. You've got time. But now that you're back on Absalom after some some rest, what would you be doing here? Oh, uh, well, I think she's probably in Absalom Station. Uh, I think on uh, a bit of sabbatical from perhaps the university on uh, Castrovel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she would probably seek out the Solarians and the, the monastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the uh, Starfinder Salarians that you had contact with prior. Yeah, see what maybe she can learn some, from them. Maybe some of your best friends. Oh no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I might, I might text you or something. But yeah, just <laughs> hey, you busy? I'm kind of, I'm kind of busy right now. So, uh, but we should catch up next time I'm in town. Cool. Bye. <laughs> uh, Drew, where, where would we find Knack? Uh, so Nack, uh, you find him. He's on the he's on the phone. <laughs> Gev, baby, say hello to the family. We'll. Uh, I know I'll be at the party next week. It's fine. Just save a seat. I might be a little late. You know how I do. He's talking to Gevilarshknor. Uh, they're buddies. <laughs> he's doing a lot of. <laughs> Uh, Do you play cyber golf on the weekends? Yes, uh, although uh, Nor cheats, but you know we let it we let it go. Uh, everyone hears uh, through your comm unit him say, "Stop calling me!" Like, <laughs> um, what about Andis? Uh, they in their shop with Naomi? Are you still hanging out with the goblins? What's going on? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, probably a little column A, column B. Uh, definitely spending a lot of time in the shop these days. I'm working on a. I, I want to say I'm working on a gravity belt, but like, <laughs> uh, no, I'm working on a project right now that I think will maybe be useful in the future. So, and mm-hmm. uh, Andis is calling this Project Icarium, and um, and as. Uh, just sort of hard at work. It keeps a sheet covering it up all the time. Oh, you a, mechanic grease monkeys. It's a big surprise. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what about Edros? What would he be up to? You know, this is coming back from Castrovel with Rakawi. She's on her feet trying to give you some space, some time to decide what you want to do with your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he is, you know, spending some time with uh, Rakawi when he can, but he's just bored. He's kind of got a trip to the Burning Archipelago planned, but it's in the future. And so he's got this span of time between that trip and now where he just has nothing to do. So he's going around to everybody else and he's just bugging him. He's just like, he's like, Arindra, spar with me. I'm bored. Anything. And, or, and then going, and then probably they're just like, no, Edros, go away. And he's like, Anders, stop working on your new project. Let's. Let's pop over to Ackerton and do do like a gladiatorial ring or I mean, or kill some Cernox or something. You know, honestly, honestly, uh, depending on how much time there is between the things, Andis would <laughs> probably go on a road trip with you. Like, yes, yeah, I'm, I've been I've been I've been playing with this sword <laughs> you gave me for a little bit, and I'm, I could use a little bit of a sparring time. Obviously, I, I don't I don't last very long in the ring, but it's fine. I didn't I didn't write this side quest, so <laughs> imagine it, listeners. Imagine, <laughs> <laughs> right? Imagine your favorite android getting their butt handed to them, pulling uh, out the the baton and being like, eh. "Uh oh." <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, Ramy Miles back on Absalom after connecting with your family with Liana. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's Ramy doing? So. So, uh, like I said, when we last saw Remy, he he was probably trying to kind of get back to where he was before uh, this whole adventure started, where he was kind of doing his little vigilante thing with corporations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably would have have let Adras in on a couple of them because, I mean, why not? But but as of right now, he he's probably uh, chilling at the Rumpus Room, maybe just tending bar, kind of relaxing. Nice, nice. Kind of a zen-like thing for him, doing doing his uh his Ted Danson gig, and um that that's probably where he is right now, kind of just decompressing, and that's kind of for for someone who's an adventurer, that normality is probably a vacation. Right. Well, uh, wherever you all are, 
um, as you guys are relaxing, working on your projects, your personal betterments, tending bar, a nondescript skeletal figure approaches each of you wearing a dark robe and carrying a scythe. You're all dead. Give me all your money. (laughs) Give a lot of snore. (laughs) From the fold of the skeleton's robes, it produces a perfectly black box of the color of oblivion and the void on a moonless night. Inside, you open it up and a small scroll unfurls itself. It reads, Your presence is required at the Eoxium Ambassador's office (laughs) within the Eye of Absalom Station. This is an emergency summons. It is a matter of grave importance, and it signs... (laughs) It signs... Give our snore. Heart. <gasps> <laughs> uh, Nack, how excited are you right now? I told you he called me. I told you we talked. <laughs> yeah, no, th- this comes Nack's to like, Nack. Oh, we're getting the gang form. back together. It's like, fine. <laughs> Stop texting me. Uh, right, so arriving outside of the embassy, you all meet up in the antechambers of this gothic skeletal building, and it might be the first time in a a week or so you've all been together in the same place since going your separate ways after the the ceremony in the lower spire complex i guess kind of broke off in different directions uh the rest of you might uh, have taken some detours and time off as well from the drift rider um now it's being like upgrading and and, and things like that so taking like own your own travel uh, out to the other planets what do you say to one another now that the team is all back together? I think Alindra would give everybody hugs. Aww. If they were okay with that, she would ask them first. Yeah, firm handshakes all around. <laughs> hugs? <laughs> Adras would look at you and be like, it looks like you can now attack three times. Can you attack three times now? <laughs> right. You have to tell I've me if you're s- a cop. <laughs> 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 you have to tell me if you can attack three times. The law. Before you hug me, is that otherwise? That it, no, no. It's like a, it's three like a hug in a row. And maybe, yeah. And you're just like, you know, it's kind of like when you hug someone, you're like, oh, have you lost weight? But it, you know, gotcha. oh, can you can you attack three times now? <laughs> no, I'm getting that as a soldier. I'm getting that onslaught feeling coming off of you. You're, you're radiating an onslaught, and I you're, love it. You're fifteen percent stronger. It's crazy. <laughs> That's weird. That's a weird thing. Adros did. That's canon now. <laughs> Adros has become a creep. Uh, well, yeah. What about what about uh, uh, a and an Andis? What are you guys saying? I mean, it's it's only been a week, and we still all play space words with friends with each other. So it's, don't don't get too excited, guys. Oh boy, I, I want to see a list of those words. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. I think I would say something along the lines of, "Oh, friends, how wonderful that you've all come here today to help me once and for all take down." Our arch nemesis. <laughs> Give a large You've never given up on that conspiracy theory, yes. I always knew that he was behind this. <laughs> and now he's fallen into my trap by sending me a letter. I, uh, I, I, I read your info. I read your infosphere fan fiction on how Givalos Knorr was the enemy all along. It's <laughs> quite good. That was my undercover I, investigation. I I didn't I didn't understand many of the words, but uh, it, it it was nice. <laughs> so after a few minutes, chumming it up, you all are ushered back towards the ambassador's office, down darkened hallways, past doors of obsidian and steel framework, and Nor's office is unchanged since you saw it last months ago. Bone-like chairs go in from a, uh, a charcoal dirt floor, and he stands at a, uh, a small sidebar, guzzling a fizzing red cocktail next to the woman you know as uh, Habiza Escolar, his familial relation, and the corpse fleet turncoat and spy you delivered from the Acreon. Uh, as you walk in, he says, That will be all, my dear. I shall call upon you next month. And he gives her a very bony, skeletal hug, and she sees herself out, kind of gives you a small curtsy as you walk past her, and he welcomes you all in, offers you a beverage, whatever you want. Black milk. You've got it. 
have a, oh, oh, a black milk as well. Black milk's for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say, Andis was uh, looking very uh, uh, side-eyed over at uh, his his friend as she was leaving. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's in on the whole thing. So <laughs> You're like Fred Jones in a pup named Scooby-Doo, always blaming the same kid every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what a reference. So he'll so, sit you down and give you your drinks. I think Alindra would, would contrary to her uh, teammates, would, would say something to the effect of, she looks like she is doing well. Are things well with you? Quite. Why are we here? Why did you call us here? Can we help you? I know that you all are still getting over a long journey. I would like to thank you for your services first to this office and my homeworld of Eox. I'd hope to speak with you all more privately in a relaxed manner. You know, you saying it like that doesn't make you sound any less evil, right? What I'm trying to say is I owe you all an apology for my guarded behavior when we first met. Knack, you see, I was wary of Corpse Fleet spies in all echelons of organizations here on Absalom. And after my Technomancer investigations discovered your family's background, Raimi, I was worried that you two were part of the rotten core at the center of Quindar Industries. No, that honestly that makes sense to me. I if if I had known, I would have I would have been suspicious of me too well again my apologies it is hard to trust you living folk sometimes i feel like temptations of the flesh are so hard to scrutinize it has been many a year since skin clung to my face he walks over to an ancient picture frame on his desk and uh it seems to be him as a human hundreds Hundreds of years ago, I'll give you a picture of what this guy looks like here. <laughs> <laughs> My arch nemesis, <laughs> mayor of Flavortown. <laughs> it, it is. It is just a picture of Guy Fieri that I gave to the. Players. I was a passionate living being, always talking about how great food tasted and consuming ill-advised quantities from roadside eateries. I am sending you on a quest to find diners, drive-ins, and dives. And dungeons and dragons. <laughs> oh my! Oh my. <laughs> also donkey sauce. <laughs> 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 I need a break. <laughs> we killed Tyler. <laughs> Back to business. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, jeez. <sighs> Months ago, I gave you a mission to investigate the Acreon and their claim on the Drift Rock, which you performed admirably. Since then, scientific excursions to the rock have been yielding amazing scientific findings. The way the ancient Kishali blended science and technology will have our computer mechanics retro-engineering tech for the next decade. But that is not what I called you in for. More... Importantly, last week, not shortly after your return, communications with our teams out on the Drift Rock cut off. Two search and rescue operations, one from station security and another from the packed stewards, have both disappeared. The last team to touch down reported spatial anomalies and more than a few bodies before they too went dark. We think that there is but one team for this job. The only team that has successfully carried out a search and rescue on the rock before. We need you Starfinders to get back out to the Drift Rock. We need you to investigate and take out whatever or whoever is going on out there. What do you say to that? Well, as long as you don't leave us out there without a ship this time, then I think we'll be okay. I believe you have your own ship. We do, that's why you can't 
strand us, you jerk. I'm confronting you now. Okay. (laughs) That's all I had planned. (laughs) So while we're at it, you got any other old men down there that Andis can throw into space? I don't know what you mean. (laughs) Rob Rob was looking away for that moment, so like nobody knows about this. (laughs) Nobody knows that Andis like killed an old man. Speaking of, I feel like if we're going to go to the Drift Rock, we should have Robob. Well, you will have to talk to Zoe about that. The uh, robot is no longer owned by this office. What? A- send him a personal message. No, nope. I just we're good. We're good. It sounds. It sounds to me like something sinister could be afoot. I think we should go as soon as possible. You can schedule your own flight, but before you leave, I think I should mention that in your original contract with the Arbitration Commission, in looking into the Drift Rock, they have filed a claim on the first of many payouts for when the technology is able to be sifted from the rock. If you are able to regain control of the rock, you all are in line to make a small fortune with a 0.5% stake each from my 10% arbitration fee. My latest calculation puts that number at a grand total of 125,000 credits. Shut the front door. Oh, did that get your attention, Raimi? All right, Nor, we have a deal for now. Split five ways, that will go far. Oh. Uh, uh, Andros leads over to Andis and he goes, When he said that number, where's where are the commas and decimals in that number? It, it, nowhere. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's nothing. Okay. Alindra would look to Knack and uh, psychically, because I can do that now because I'm Alindra again, um, <laughs> psychically say to Knack, um, does that number sound good to you? I mean, and Knack just thinks, I mean, I'm I'm pretty rich already. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but we'll be fine. Ha ha! We're talking about liquid credits here. Spend them on what you want. I have we- no money. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so poor. I, I'm surprised that Nack's first response was not, "Can you make the deal a little sweeter?" <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> a little out of character. Nack's Nack's on soft. Uh, look, yeah. I'm 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 back with my I'm I'm running a business out of. A tower in Absalom yeah. Station. I'm, you know. Yeah, you just offered a drowning man water here. He's fine. Uh, so <laughs> please stop making Kaifieri bigger. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I think he's just consuming mass. Uh, by the way, that pin on his shirt says Johnny Garlic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. I was pretty man, Patrick. I was laughing so hard, and when you said, like, we need you to go out to the Drift Rock, and if you were to say, and get donkey sauce, I would have died. I would have died. I couldn't, I could already not breathe. I would have broken this chair. I would have fallen backwards. I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it. That donkey sauce comment was was beyond oh, oh. my capability of, of reason and physical compression. Guys, I'm I, I'm sorry. I, I just need a minute here. I've been laughing so hard. I'm about to pee my pants. I'm sorry. Yeah. One bathroom break later. Nor looks over you all and says, There is one more thing, Starfinders. I cannot let you go to the Drift Rock alone, knowing perhaps that I am sending you into immediate danger. I have a number of gifts for you before you go. <gasps> Ooh, prezzies! Uh, he walks up to you, Knack, and from his own belt, like, you know, opens his robe, and you see on his uh, person a, a pistol. He pulls it out of its holster, and he says, Knack, this is my personal laser pistol, crafted by Yoxian weaponsmiths who have since passed their knowledge gone with them to the ages. He has given you a parallax laser pistol, 5d4 fire damage. Mm -hmm. It also has the boost special property for an additional 2d4. Ooh. And, yeah, and level level fourteen pistole. Any any fancy critical effect? Uh, it has a burn three d four for the critical. Nice. Yeah, so pretty nice little upgrade there. Eighty two thousand credit pistol. <laughs> yes. Uh, he goes over to our Vesk soldier and says, "Edros, 
I heard tell that you nearly took one of the Admiral of the Southern Wing of the Corpse Fleet on by yourself. The Necrovite traitor, Saravox. I am sure that something like this would have been useful to you at that time. He opens up a small box, and inside is a pair of magically and technologically advanced goggles. Uh, this is from, I believe, the Pact World's book, a magic item called Prescient Lenses. Oh, snap! I know these! Oh, do you? Yeah, these are dope. What mark? Is there a mark? Mark two. Nice! I, uh, that, so, what what do, what do they do, if you know what they do? If I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. uh, mark, does mark two allow you to uh, re-roll a d20? Or roll two d20s and take the better one. No, so it is uh, a a re-roll to take the better of the two results. Um, And this works kind of like extrapolating like future possibilities of like what might happen. And in the next couple of seconds and kind of imposing them onto your your eyeballs. (laughs) These uh, these small translucent holograms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're... I'm sorry, they're, they are a once-per-day use, correct? Uh, yes. Cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Raimi, he moves over to you and takes his wicked-looking black and red cloak off his own body, immaculately folds it over and hands it to you and says, Raimi, this is my mage's cloak. It works to diffract incoming blows. It has saved me from several would-be assassination attempts from the corpse fleet. And I feel that you may have a larger target on your head now that your family is on their hit list. Uh, Mild, this is indeed a diffraction cloak. A Mark II diffraction cloak in a bends light around you, causing it to shimmer and kind of warping space around your person. And while you wear it, it protects you from cold, electricity, fire, and force damage. Um, If an attack deals something against your EAC and hits, as a reaction, you can force the attacker to re-roll the d20 and take the lower result. Ooh, that, that sounds amazing. As well as if you fail a saving throw against the effect that deals that kind of damage, you can re-roll the saving throw and use the higher results. Um, and this, I believe, is a Mark II, so it allows two re-rolls per day. Ooh. Remy just gives a whistle and uh, tips his, his flask to him. Mm-hmm. Alindra, I found this ring through various back channels in the Adari. It is attuned to the underlying data lattice of your Solarian powers. I hope this comes in good use in your journey. Rebecca, this is a ring of cosmic alignment. Ooh. Do you know what that is? No. It's one of the few (laughs) original uh, magic rings for Solarians, and if you are in a form of stellar mode, you can immediately become unattuned and gain one attunement in the opposite stellar mode uh, from from where you began. And so if you're in photon mode, you can become unattuned and then get one point in graviton attunement. Um, Sweet. Swift action. Nice. So if you want to switch up mid-battle, yeah. Thank you, Gavilar Snore. She would offer to hug him. <laughs> he accepts. <laughs> He's like, okay. The bony hug. And last, but not least, although in a way, kind of least, Andes 147. <laughs> I, I have these magic eyes for you. <laughs> You're going to love them. <laughs> I have always gathered that you seem to have held somewhat of a prejudice against me and my undead kin. Is that safe to say? Let's just say, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Anyway, bygones are bygones. I'm not one to judge, so you get the most expensive gift of them all here. He holds out uh, your gift. It is an old bag I used to keep my spare junk inside. <laughs> I hope you find it as useful as I did when storing my knickknacks and doohickeys. 
<laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> uh, it's the most. Ex- this is a Mark IV null space chamber. You are a- <laughs> such a monster, and I hate it's, you. It's worth like more than all the other gifts put together. Hooray! Oh, good. I'll make sure to put all of our party's loot inside of this. I'll make sure to carry around everybody's junk. All right, everybody, put all your junk into this bag. And I put it in my pocket. And, uh, yeah, Nor says, keep good care of it. Because don't you worry, Andis. I know that you are a sentimentalist like me, so I ensorcelled this bag to magically have no resale value. (laughs) (laughs) There is no need to look into selling it. I wanted you to have this. Oh, I'm so so glad to hear that. And I'm like looking at the screws on it and being like, "Eh, I can break this down to UPBs, right? Yeah, I can do that. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh... Right, those are your gifts. Yay. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you. I, I'm very excited to try this out on the Drift Rock. Uh, Gevalos Knorr is a medium-sized creature, right? Oh, no. Medium-ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I put him in the in the null space chamber, and I'm like, all right, you're coming with us, you jerk. And then he, he teleports out. <laughs> nice try. Oh, <laughs> got me again. <laughs> ah. I'll get you one of these days. Oh, Gevalos Knorr. <laughs> uh, right. So, are you guys? Do you want to immediately go out and face whatever horrors I have in store for you on the drift rock? Can, can well, that was that was going to be my question. Are we leaving immediately? Because if so, I have something to say to Gevilar Snor. Oh yes, go go right ahead. Gevilar Snor, would you be willing to take care of my precious pet Zodi while we are gone? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. You had to bring Zodi up. The fan <laughs> so worried about Zodi. You're gonna come back, and Zodi is gonna be undead. You're gonna have an undead Zodi. It could be cute. It could be yeah. cute. Give, give him here. I'll put him in the null space chamber. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Gavrilos Nor like taps a button, and like a small terrarium pops out of the wall, and it's like. I often take care of people's pets when they go on vacation. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. I'd be honored, Alain Travelis. <laughs> I'm so glad that this plot point got wrapped up in a bonus episode. That <laughs> Zodi was alive and is now being taken care of by Gavilar Snore. That's what the Patreon subscribers really wanted. We've, find out we've actually that. collected quite a bit, quite a you know an amount of pets. So here's Mr. McScruffins. Uh, here's uh, yeah. here's yeah. something else we found. Me. Uh, oh boy. Okay. So let, let's move on from here. Oh, I want to stay on Absalom Station this entire episode. You guys ready to get out? Get it to the yeah. adventure at hand. Let's blast to off. the ship. Can I buy some fusions first? No. Ah. <laughs> You are given private access to the Eoxian hangar bay in the northern arm, HB666. <laughs> and that is where we find the Drift Rider. A skeletal crew of dock workers are plugging feeling ports and diagnostics into the ship. You see it is decked out, upgraded to its level 13 glory, with a fresh set of armor plating, paint, and polish your ship and home for several months. This is the first time that you all step onto it since breaking the party. Bumfuzzle and Cattywampus no longer on board. They have taken employment with the Founding 19. Zix is gone, working with the Feldspar Inc. uh, off station. But yeah, as you filter in and find yourselves on the ship, Andis, you have a premonition, a psychic wave of relaxing energy soothes your mind and exocortex. And looking out from the steps from the Drift Rider towards you, walk a small delegation of Kish warriors. Ah. And at their head, decked out in all the finery and long-flowing robes of a curate, is Curate Fedge. <gasps> back, curate. back from Istamak. Curate Fedge, it is an honor. She greets you, and uh, warmly, and as, as you meet beneath the aft of the ship, she says... Greetings, Andis of the 147. Synthetic being, 
and Starfinder. We have just come to your Absalom to establish first contact for our people here in this strange land. I hope it finds you well. It does, it does. We had hoped to find you all together once more. We wish to welcome you back uh, in the, the future to Istamak as our people begin the process of learning more about who we once were and our ancient homeland in the stars. Well, we look forward to the invitation. Excellent. I do have to apologize to you, though, Andis. Oh, what would that be for? The rifle that our leader gifted to you, it must be returned to its resting place in the temple found. We are, we are trying to reconcile our lost history and have found that weapon belonged to a great former leader. I'm sure you will understand its importance. Well, can... Okay, that's that's good. Can can I have my my laser gun? No, that was destroyed. Okay, well, all right. And and just sort of look, looks around. All right, okay. Here, here, here it is. Hands <laughs> it back. Uh, a soldier steps forward, says, "You relinquish the disruption rifle," and kind of like puts it in a small case. I do. Thank you very much. We tried to find uh, another replacement for you, but I am sorry we could not. Oh, that's just fine. I've got this null space chamber. Okay, well, bye then. Okay, bye. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. She says, we could not find a replacement. All we were able to find was this much more powerful, but less aesthetically pleasing gun. Uh, we hope that this will fill the void of your previous weapon's absence. A separate warrior steps forward and unwraps linens covering another disruption rifle. <gasps> While less gilded than your previous weapon at a glance, you can tell it is leagues more powerful. For this is a major disruption rifle. Oh. Um, level oh. 14 disruption rifle. Uh, oh. 68 damage. And does a uh, 2d8 boost. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, Andis is uh, flabbergasted by the uh, exchange mm-hmm. and um, and uh, takes, a, takes a deep bow. And uh, as they accept the uh, the weapon, it says, I will use it only for justice. And then... Use it for whatever you want. It's yours now. Well, that's... Okay, well, I'll be, I'm going to use it just for justice. But, like, <laughs> I might also use it for other stuff, too. But, like, but, but mostly for justice. Shoot so, cans. You know. But, <laughs> but only jerk cans. Only cans oh. that were, like, real jerks before. Cans were sentenced to murder. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We hope that our people's technology is able to continue to keep you and your compatriots' lives safe from what exists in the clouds below. Farewell, Andis. Farewell, and thank you again. Until next time. It is a short flight out from Absalom, but longer than you all remember to get to the Driftrocked. Officials towed the vessel further from the prying eyes of Absalom once everyone learned what it was to a secret location. It is currently in an L2 stationary orbit around the Burning Mother in a, a hidden little pocket of, of deep space. So yeah, it's like closer to a half a day ride inside the Drift Rider whose interior has been professionally cleaned for the first time uh, <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry to say, it has lost its goblin funk. Oh, no. Yeah, it does not smell like goblin farts anymore. <sighs> you ever do that thing where you're, you're trapped in a room for so long, you don't realize how bad it smells until you go somewhere else, and then you realize, wow, how do we, I need to, we need to take the trash out. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, a fish last week is really sticking around. Um, yeah, the the drift rock, the only remaining vestige of the stellar degenerator. It looks undisturbed when you get to it. The Creon, of course, has been since detached, and the vessel returned to the Hard Scrabble Collective. It is now just a dark, unimpressive rock, hanging motionless in the packed space depths. Um, as you guys get up to it, you can knack, run scanners over the, the, the surface of the ship. And yeah, combing the rock, you only pick up a single very weak life sign on the planet's surface, close to where the base research camps were supposed to be located. Is that where you want to set the drift rider down? 
Uh, yeah, let's let's see if we can figure out who this this individual is. Alrighty, so you all make it out to the Drift Rock, landing where you think this uh, little camp is, and putting the Drift Rider down. It does indeed seem like there there was a battle. There was some kind of fight. As you exit the Drift Rider, you see the hab tents are open to vacuum. You see marks of perhaps an explosion, laser beam scoring across the rocks here. And some are splashed red uh, with dark reddish brown uh, stale bloodstains. You see a body floating above this carnage in a light scientific spacesuit tethered to a guardrail about 20 feet off the wire. And as you step forward, you leave the artificial gravity of the Drift Rider and step into freefall in a slow, mm. imperceptible, uh, gravityless fall towards the, the rock beneath you. We're in zero G here, folks. Oh, boy. Alindra turns on her earthbound anklets. I know you're very, <laughs> very excited to get back to this. Just walks to over to this rock. You, you plummet to the ground and take 5d6. <laughs> <laughs> after, after I land softly on the drift rock, I turn on my earthbound anklets. <laughs> Good. Uh, do you guys, do you guys remember the fun that was zero G movement? I don't remember any fun. It doesn't, it's not super um, effectacious on your level 13 characters because I think everyone, does everyone have a jetpack or some other uh, yeah, means of, of, yeah. of, of yeah, uh, super movement here? Adros does not. Oh, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, uh, have the, you have the mag boots, though, or you had them. I don't yeah, but this isn't, this isn't metal. Well, it's yeah. not going to help me well, at all. <laughs> I was trying to think of the last time we were in, in zero G outside of the drift rider when the Islandia attacked. It's cool. You can just hang on to me or you can hop inside my okay. null yep. space chamber. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just carry you to the enemy and then you don't even have to use your move action. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> Actually, that's an awesome idea. Please do that. Hop in my sack. I'll give you a sack ride. It's a sack race. Yeah, you could could be like your mama kangaroo. Right. Um, just attach the null space chamber to my tummy and then just like <laughs> and like Adros's torso just like peeking out of it. Yeah. Yep. Then you just need right. to take a move action and get me close and I'll just full attack from the north space chamber. <laughs> Perfect. Uh so yeah, this is where this body is over here to the northeast. You see this camp. Uh what would you like to do? Investigate the body, should we? Yeah. Oh, I should say this is yeah, right the camp. Uh as you get closer to it, you realize is right at the entrance where you um, entered the drift rock uh, many months ago. So this is kind of like the outside camp. And then they were investigating the computers and things inside that, that you found. So this is the cave where we went in. We met the Grakarol. Garakakal. Garakakal. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, yes. And maybe, you know, a few hundred feet away is where you had a sniper battle with Clara 247. Oh, good times. Um, and above, yeah, yeah up, up these Rip. stairs here where Adros is moving, um, that is where you have the, the battle with uh, Darius Gilcrest. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yes. it's all, everything is a landmark. <laughs> you can't yeah. throw a stone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you pulling this body down? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, I want to try to do a medicine check to see if I can figure out how it died. Uh, well, as you, you know, p- yank the the line down, uh, you see it is a Demaya Lashunta male, and they are sealed um, inside their suit. They have a wound on their side covered in blood, but the the wound has, uh, the armor has sealed around it, uh, covered in these clotted, frozen bloodstains, but there are life signs coming <gasps> from the suits. It seems like they are alive, but perhaps near dead. Mm. I, I just, like, knock on the the visor of their helmet. Okay, well, they're near dead, and now they're annoyed because <laughs> they have a headache. Hello? Um, should we take them back to the medical bay? I mean, we're right here at the ship. It seems like that would be easier than doing anything out here, right? Yeah, that sounds good. Seems, it seems like it to me. You want to take them back to the Drift Rider? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go. Let's all right. Hold yes, him back. Take uh, back. How do, how, wait, how do we know he's not like impregnated with a cotta? I, I was about to say this is pretty much what happened in Alien, and you guys are just falling right for the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep in mind. I, okay, this is this is gonna go well. 
<laughs> well, it's not like we can. It's not like we can like take his helmet off and be like, "Are it's you not okay?" Like we can, do are, do we have the ability to cure him? I mean, yeah, uh, we can. We can give him medical treatment. Yeah, just pull out a, a healing serum and then bingo, bango, magic. Well, who has just, it, Yeah, zero G. Just. I mean, can is, we can we treat well, major wounds? Oh, I have healing serums. I think I do too. That's who has. I yeah, also, I have some too. I, also, I could okay. cast a fourth level Mystic Cure, but I don't think we want to do. That. Yeah. <laughs> I can just push him out into the deepness of space. The scientist has like ten hit points, so okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and give him a, a level one or a Mark <clears throat> One healing serum. Right. So taking him back to the ship, getting the the suit off, pressurizing, uh, and healing him up. It does seem like it is a pretty major wound. Maybe lost some like constitution points or something. Oh, um, but yeah, the the Lashunton male uh, uh, snaps too and just has like a terror fit and it's just like massive creature, leathery wings. You've got to get out. Leave here. They fall unconscious. You can tell their wounds have stabilized. Hmm. Uh, but maybe psychic terror has has uh, befallen them. I the see. badge on his lapel marks him as a member of the science detail. Name is Laqual Harindre. Hmm. Uh, can we can we determine anything else about his wounds? Like, can I just give him a quick uh, a quick like echo thing and like echo? Thing. Make, yeah, make sure Are... he didn't have any. Akata babies or anything. Oh, you want to give him an ultrasound? <laughs> uh, ultrasound, that's the one. <laughs> Why'd you just say that? Because <laughs> I forgot what the word was. <laughs> uh, yes, no, you smear uh, the jelly on his belly. <laughs> jelly all over his whole body, and I just like rub that wand all over him. <laughs> Is it going to be a boy oh. or a girl or one million boys and girls? <laughs> oh. um, uh, leathery wings. I think the last time we faced anything that had leathery wings was that terrible scree sire that charmed Alindra and threw me into an acid bath. Is this the start of a flashback? Or are we just going back to that episode now? <laughs> <laughs> Should I splice in like 30 minutes of that? that yeah, boss yeah please. Yeah, yeah, please do. Just like a, a montage of me screaming and you cackling with joy. Every, was this? Everyone out there listening, just pause and go listen to that episode again. <laughs> to be continued in the next episode. Please feel free to listen to Ed Ross's flashback scene, which is episode 31, Screezer Hills K9204. But that is not required listening. Episode 2 is up next. Enjoy at your own pace, Grittamunders. Hey, 